Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. We have a great show for you today, and if you are a person who has ever suffered from chronic headaches or migraines, this is definitely a show that you would like to listen to through to the end. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with some of these stats when it comes to migraines, but it's an estimated 37 million people in the United States suffer from debilitating migraines every year, and 21 million of them are women. Migraine renders this population bedridden for 112 million days per year, affecting their work, family, social, and school lives, and migraine is the seventh highest cause of disability worldwide. These appalling numbers tell only half the story, according to Jan Mundo, creator of the Mundo program and author of the Headache Healer's Handbook. Jan has held headache programs at medical centers, universities, and corporations, including Kaiser Permanente, Stanford University, and Apple. She is a certified master somatic coach and massage therapist with advanced training in multiple healing modalities, and she lives in our neck of the woods, further south from us, but down in New York City. Welcome, Jan. Thank you. Hello, April and everyone. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. And I have to say that, um, knock on wood, I am a person that has really not suffered from migraine headaches or headaches overall. I can usually count on one hand the amount that I have in a year, but when I have had them, I'm usually knocked out on the couch eyes closed, dark room. Um, so I do have an idea of what a migraine can feel like, but I feel very fortunate, especially after getting more knowledgeable and educated about, um, how difficult migraines can be for people through by reading your book. I'm just happy that I have not yet experienced, um, that so chronically. So, um, I've learned a lot, uh, reading your book and I'm excited for this conversation. And I know that, uh, your journey to kind of get to where you are is quite an interesting one. And I'd like you to begin to share that with our listeners. Hmm. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for reading my book. And um, it sounds like you do indeed get migraines and, um, you know, even the few that you've had, um, even one is enough, right? Yes. So uh, my journey was, I say it was by accident coming into this. I didn't start out to say, okay, well, I want to heal headaches when I grow up. (laughs) But uh, in 1970, I heard of a claim that you could stop a headache or a migraine by putting your hands on someone's head. So I started experimenting with it. And unbeknownst to me, my journey with migraines actually started in childhood. I didn't get them, but my mom did. And so she would often be lying down in bed in, in the, the room, you know, all the shades pulled and um, just everything needing to be really quiet. Um, there were certain medications that you would take in those days that would stop the pain, but she really suffered. And so sometimes she would ask me to rub out the kinks or what she called the knots in her neck and her shoulders. So I started doing that for her. And 
So I'd say that that was the very beginning. And then when I did learn how to work on migraines, I got really curious about it. So after I heard that you could put your hands on someone's head and stop the pain, I seemed to become a magnet for people who had them. So wherever I was, um, if I was at a makeup counter, if I was shopping somewhere, if I was um, at a party, a family gathering, without anyone knowing that I could do this in advance, they would seem to exclaim in front of me, oh, I've got such a headache, I've got such a migraine, I have to leave, I have to go lie down, I'm miserable, I have to go take a pill, whatever it was. So I got really curious each time to see if my hands-on experimentation at that time would actually work to help their pain. So I would kind of jump up (laughs) and say, well, uh, if you give me five minutes... I'll see if I can help. So I would take them over to a corner or different room, or sometimes uh, there was one time at the Gap <laughs> dressing room, a salesperson had one. So I'd say, well, let's just step in here for five minutes. And I would be able to stop their pain. And then they would be amazed and then go about their work or their day just as they had. So it just became for me a curiosity like, mm, I wonder if I can do this again. And so then after 21 years of doing it and various life changes, I decided to dedicate myself to this work and to learning about headaches and migraines. So I started studying about them and learned what a huge problem they are, as you noted um, in the statistics that you read. And um, then I began seeing that people take medications for them. And my life path was of a spiritual journey and um, learning about the mind-body connection. So I started reading about that more and more. And then I also was going through perimenopause kind of early at about 42 in um, the early 90s or about 40, 42 in the early 90s. So um, I'm sorry, in the, yeah, that's right, in the early 90s. And so I, when I was reading about them, I realized that, um, Migraines are also, in, they increase during perimenopause for many, many women. And so instead of using medication because women had um, various emotional changes they were going through and there was stress and tension and all those things I had, and I noticed that my migraines would increase um, or that I would really be able to almost time my periods by when I got one, when I got a migraine, the the day after I would get my period. But I noticed during certain months that I wouldn't get the migraine. So I got really curious about that. And I noticed that when I was eating better, sleeping better, under less stress, drinking more water, exercising more regularly, that I wouldn't get the migraine. So I started studying all of that and then put together a mind-body program to go with my hands-on therapy. Yes, and you have some great stuff. Um, You kind of broke the book up into a couple of different sections where you actually can teach people certain exercises that they can do, you know, with on themselves. You suggest those lifestyle changes and dietary changes, which is great as well. And would you say that primarily um, migraines are brought on for the most part by the lifestyle of the individual? 
Well, that's a huge question. <laughs> I think, you know, there is uh, for everyone, um, for, for many migraine sufferers, there is a genetic component. So if their mother or their parents got them, a lot of people say their grandparents got them. So there is that component. But then we know from epigenetics that something turns often on the genes. And often that has to do with lifestyle. So I, I would say that lifestyle it really has a lot to do with it. And that's really what I teach. But it's not usually just one thing. It's when you look at everything taken together, that that's what adds up to the headache or migraine. Yes. And what I like about your approach is that you really try to take more of that holistic mind, body, spirit approach to um, really trying to come to some sort of conclusion on how to release the migraine from the person's body um, and doing it in natural ways. And I think in some ways, giving the individual empowerment to say that your body does have the capacity to heal itself if you can begin to do some of these things that you mentioned in your book. Yes. For many migraine sufferers, when we first start working together, or if they even think about um, how they could be, you know, they could start healing. I mean, they've tried so many things usually. They've been to multiple practitioners, um, both medical practitioners um, who give them medications, or they might be go to complementary and alternative medicine practitioners, and they've tried so many things. So if they even hear about a mind-body approach, they'll think, well, how could this possibly help me if I've tried everything already? Right. And that's because a lot of times they've tried one thing or something that addresses one aspect of their lives, but we're not just our foods, we're not just our stress, we're not just our exercise, you know, so they might have tried all that, but it's when you really put it all together that it makes a difference. And the other thing that I think is really important that's not often addressed in any kind of treatment for headaches and migraines is your body, <laughs> mm -hmm. believe it or not, because it is an all-body phenomenon. And there are different types of headaches, but both with tension-type headaches, which are more the tension in your body and your head and express as tightness or migraine, which is a whole body phenomenon where you feel like your head's going to explode. And then you also can feel nausea. You can have vomiting, um, eye, you know, light and sound and smell disturbances. So many factors that seem like they're just beyond the head in your pain, the pain in your head that, um, that, you know, you, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, you were talking about the four different, and you were actually leading into my next question, which was the four different types of headaches. Right. So in my book, I talk about various types of headaches. So I'll go over again. Tension headaches are the most common, and they're actually the least studied because even though they can be debilitating, they're symptoms aren't as severe as some of the other types. And with that, people can feel tension, not only in their neck and shoulders, but also in their face. And it feels and is described as a, like a vice around your head or a very tight hat band. And then migraine, as I also described, is has all these other symptoms 
And those are really debilitating. You can't even, like happened with my mom, and happened with me, and still will happen if I have a surprise (laughs) migraine. Um, Even the slightest movement, like just even turning your head slightly, like incrementally, can make the pulsing and pounding feel worse. Like you're going to, like your head is going to explode or like you're going to throw up. So the symptoms are really severe. Now, cluster headache is, well, let me just say also that migraine can last for a day to a few days. Now, I've worked with people who've said they've had them for weeks or months or even years um, nonstop. And um, some of that is caused by complications from medication. That's a whole complicating factor that we can come back to if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so that's migraine. And then there's cluster headache. Those are not as common. Um, they are known as the worst pain that you can have. And they're suffered mostly by men and they're called cluster because they come in clusters in time. So sometimes they come um, seasonally. So somebody might get them with the change in season. So say in the summer or in the winter and they come in clusters. So you might get um, several in a day, eight times a day and, and then four days on end or weeks on end and then they'll go away and then you'll get them again. And um, unlike migraines, they're, um, um, their sufferers are more men than women. And um, unlike migraines, um, people want to bang their head against the wall. Like with a migraine, that would be unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And they're also known as suicide headaches because the pain is so bad that there has been known to be incidents of suicide with them. Um and the symptoms are also different in that you can get one eye tearing, um, feeling like they're stabbing in one eye, um, the same side nostril tearing. So it's a different kind of headache. And so I've worked with very few of those. And I talk about them and describe them in the book, but I don't address them specifically because m- my experience has not been there. However, I have worked with people who've been diagnosed with cluster headache, and I don't diagnose, by the way, because I'm not a physician, um, but I they did get that diagnosis, but their symptoms were those of migraine. So we have had success with them following the program. And then in the book, I also talk about dangerous headaches, which even if, so everybody that I've worked with has had a diagnosis first from their general practitioner and then usually from a neurologist. And they've been working with a neurologist and other uh, medical practitioners. So even if you've had a diagnosis and you get the worst headache of your life, and it's, um, it's really important to um, contact your practitioner immediately or go to the emergency room immediately and just make sure that it's not being caused by something more serious called a dangerous headache, which could be result of meningitis, flu or virus, infection, um, um, other serious, very serious causes. 
tumor. So, but mostly those aren't. People have fear that that's what it is, but mostly that's not the case, but it's always good to get it checked out. Right. And I was also wondering if you could talk about coming back to the medication piece of the medication overuse headache. Yeah, this is really interesting. And um, I don't work with medication specifically, but in writing the book and over the years in working with clients who have been prescribed medications, um, I've noticed that it's a huge factor. And they used to be called rebound headache, and the names have changed over time. And it, it um, started being a factor when doctors started noticing and neurologists started noticing that their patients would have um, transformed migraines, where instead of getting them occasionally, that they would increase in frequency and intensity, and the quality of them would change to being a, a, a persistent daily headache. And the symptoms were changed as well into being more of a dull, present ache. And so when they started looking at that, um, they saw that some of that would come from medications. And so some of the medications that could be a factor are actually caffeine, um, which people can have in their coffee, in their tea, but also can be in medications, over, both over-the-counter, um, like Excedrin or Excedrin migraine, and then in some of the prescription medications like Cafragot, which the calf part is caffeine. And, and then... Also, in medications, it was a big revelation about 20 years ago, or actually more, going on 30 years ago, when it was discovered that um, the triptans could cause this rebound or medication overuse headache. And those were were a classification of medications specifically for migraine that were not supposed to do that. But what was discovered in all of these different types of medications, also including um, some of the medications that have opioids and barbiturates, is that if you take them often enough, then that produces that medication overuse headache. So it's a real quandary because what is supposed to help you Right. Be, get out of your pain. And this is mostly with pain relief rather than pain prevention medications. What's supposed to help you makes your pain worse and makes it come stronger and more frequently. So, you know, what's what's someone to do, you know, and and so it, and it's also a surprisingly small amount of dosage that can create this. So it depends on the medication itself, but it was found that even with two and a half to three times per week that you could get, and so from 10 to 15 times per month that you could get this medication overuse headache if used for consecutively for three months and onward. And often when people take medications, they take them for Years. Years, right. I know. I was thinking the same exact thing. So I think that, 
even that little piece of information could probably be very helpful for anyone that's listening that has been on medication long term and maybe um, having them explore that with their doctors if they're experiencing anything that you just uh, mentioned there. Yes. And can I say one more thing about that? Yes, please. You know, um, I've worked with people who have gone through the program and uh, through my program and they've really done an amazing job of incorporating, you know, meditation and breathing and various stress reduction practices and awareness and working with their diet. And still the migraines hung on. And so when we looked at it, sometimes there were factors that they hadn't revealed to me or that they were unwilling to reveal to themselves and that they didn't realize could be such a strong factor as medications because they were able to reduce the migraines, but then they would see, oh, I get one every night in the middle of the night. And so they were afraid, oh, well, I won't be able to go to work or, you know, here I am up again, so I better take this medication so that I can go to sleep and have a work day. But unbeknownst to them, that would perpetuate the migraines because it would happen like maybe five days a week and or to seven days a week. And so even though they had put everything in balance, this one factor was keeping them stuck. And oftentimes it's one of the most resistant things uh, for people to change because they feel that the medication is the only thing that's keeping them from having more pain and worse pain. However, oftentimes it's what's perpetuating it. And so it's it's really difficult to to face that and let go of. And so it is important for them to work with their doctors, but also to read up. There's so much online to get educated about it and really see. And in my book, I have a, a chapter that deals with medication and also with hormones. And so it is really important to for them to understand what's happening because everybody's an individual and their doctors know to prescribe something. And oftentimes they might prescribe one medication and it might help for a while. And then when it stops, then they'll prescribe another. So, you know, it's often a process of deduction, but it keeps people stuck. So really it's important for headache patients when they go to their doctors to also know what they want to have happen and what they want, because otherwise it can perpetuate for years in this way where it's one medication after another, after another. And if they're confident that they want to unwind from that, they kind of have to work with someone who will support them. Yeah, and speaking about your program, you have an amazing headache history questionnaire. And I mean, you cover everything. This is very uh, detailed, uh, you know, to the point you're asking tons of questions, kind of getting their their background, what types of headaches they have, the symptoms. Um, I know that you also go into the dietary, the environmental, the hormonal, lifestyle, medication, physical symptoms that they're having. You assess their sleep, um, also what they're eating for meals uh, throughout the whole entire day. I mean, it's just, it's fabulous. And, you know, getting a whole history of what their medications are. Um, and it just seems like you really cover the gamut of everything when somebody's coming to work with you. 
Yes. It's so important to look at everything because that's when we can start to deconstruct and see where their triggers are. And the other part that I go into too is their life history as far as emotionally and sequentially. So what was happening when your headaches first began? So somebody might have been experiencing um, in their family of origin that their parents were going through a divorce or maybe they went to a new school or maybe um, they were sick um, or got sick often or were teased in school by kids or maybe one of their siblings something happened to or maybe there was a death in their family. So there's so many factors that go into it and often the headaches might have begun then or symptoms of them, even though they might not have been recognized then. And so it's important for people to make those connections because a lot of times they just, they might think that they appear out of nowhere, but when they really start to look at their lives, they see that there are these connections and that that has an influence on how they hold their history and their, their life and the trauma in their bodies. And I believe you shared a story. I think it was your personal story or it might have been one of a client. I um, can't think of it off the top of my head, but where there was actually a really big emotional release that had happened um, either for you or for this person. And that also helped to clear some of the symptoms of, of the migraines. And I was wondering if that's where some of the somatic coaching comes in. Yes, definitely. And I'm trying to remember which, I know. which story you're thinking of, but that's so much a factor because, and that's what I was talking about also when I, when I was referring to the body and how we hold tension. But my path did um, shift as far as when I was training to go into this work in 1991 and 92, and I became a certified massage therapist. And I started working with clients and started working with headache clients and also started working with people who just wanted body work and massage. And then also I got my first referrals from a neurologist and headache specialist at UCLA and I saw that when people were on the table and their their physical body, say the tightness in their shoulders, we would work on that and soften it and it would start to release, that their emotions would come up and memories would come up. And that got me really interested in working somatically. And so in a lot of these things, when you train in them, you do your own work as well, and you you work on yourself and your own history. And so I found that um, going further into how people's tightness and tension was held in their body and how they were literally shaped by their life history had a huge impact on their headaches and migraines. Um, so for myself, one of the things that I noticed is um, when I was training and meditation was one of our practices, that when I would sit to meditate, that I would get this certain pain in my shoulder and I could by when you meditate and you bring your awareness into your body and you start to describe your physical sensations in your awareness to yourself, I would say, oh, it's this oval shape and it's kind of close to the surface and it's always emerging about some 
emotional things that happened in my family. And I would begin to explore that more and more. And as I brought my awareness to that and also resolved some of those issues, I saw that that pain no longer occurred. So there's so many ways that our body holds that history and literally shapes us that we're not aware of and that we're just used to. But when you start to bring more awareness and, and unwind it and also actually soften those areas that we learn to either protect or withdraw from or that have become numb or that have become painful, there's actually more in there than the physical pain. It's we're, we're every, all of our history, our emotions, mind, body, spirit, and emotion is all together in the body. And I'm curious to know, have you, you know, with the amount of people that you've worked with, have you found any correlation to a couple of specific emotions that are more um, maybe connected to the migraine or can it really be varied and anything? I think it's really varied with each individual because when you look at it somatically, people as I was just referring to, have learned, they do whatever it takes to survive, get love, be safe. So everybody has a unique experience in in growing up. Some people have had trauma and um, some people have had alcoholic parents or some people have had experiences. It might be one experience or it might be an experience over time. And so they've learned to... um, be in their bodies in whatever way it would take for them to survive or get love or be safe. And so the emotions that are tied up in that can be varied and people's ways of handling it can be varied. It's more about what I work with is more and what I see is more about how that happens for somebody rather than naming the emotions, just being curious about it and seeing what emerges and the stories that emerge and the emotions that emerge and can be released as the body releases. And then how that release can affect somebody's awareness of both their pain and how it manifests and also their ability to take care of themselves and be an advocate and empower themselves rather than being a victim of what has happened in their past and being gripped by it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Thank you. Um, And you also talk a lot in your book about the mind-body connection, and you have an exercise called Always Verse Never. And I was hoping that maybe you could run our listeners through uh, what that is and uh, just give them a little little taste of your book and uh, a little tool that maybe they could use within their own mind in the way that they're thinking um, and helping them to connect and make that mind-body connection. Yes, I'd love to do that. So you want to do it with me? Sure. <laughs> okay. So the the exercise is called Always Versus Never. And it's, it's based on um, just a couple of thoughts and um, noticing. And so um, if everybody can follow along, and I'll just walk you through it. And then the instructions are basically to let your body move to match the thought. So however you want to move, and with everybody it's a little different, just as I'm saying those thoughts and you're letting them 
um, kind of go into your body and into your mind, then see how your body wants to express and move to match that thought. Um, I would advise if anybody, and I'm going to do it myself, if anybody can stand then um, where you are and where you're listening, then do that because you'll get a more complete expression of your body um, being able to move and if not fine just do it sitting or if you're lying down do it lying down but I would say if you can stand and if you can and feel comfortable with it go ahead and close your eyes so that you can really feel internally what it is for you without being distracted by what's going on around you or even the room that you might be in or be used to seeing all the time and then give yourself um if you're standing a good base so that you can have your balance while you're doing that. Okay. So just repeat these thoughts over in your mind and the first set of thoughts. And also I will say too, before we go into it, if you don't have migraines, think of something that is troublesome for you or concern. So it could be a physical concern. It could be something that's going on in your life. It could be something that's going on with somebody that you care about, but something that's stressful for you or troublesome for you. And so it doesn't have to be headaches or migraines that you do this with. So do just pick something that jumps out for you, okay? But in the languaging for this, I'm going to use headaches and migraines. And so you just substitute whatever it is for you. Okay. So first set of thoughts is, and let your body move to match the thought. I'm always going to have this pain. I'm always going to have these migraines. I'm stuck here. I thought that this book, I thought that I was going to find solutions, but no, I'm stuck always going to be in pain. I'm always going to be suffering. I'm always going to have this problem. Help. This is horrible. I'm always going to have this. There's no way out. So just let your body feel that and move to match that thought. Now, switch to the thought. I'm never again going to have these migraines. I'm never again going to have this headache pain. Oh my God, I feel so much better. I'm, I feel amazing. I'm not debilitated. I can live my life. I don't have to live in pain. Yay, I'm free. I'm free. And let your body move to match that. And just notice. Okay. So if you were standing, just go have a seat. And now notice and ask yourself what happened when you were doing and thinking and feeling in your body those two sets of thoughts. What happened when you thought you'd always be stuck there? And what happened to your body? What happened to your breathing? What happened to stress or tension? Some people feel that, for everybody it's different. Some people feel that they just want to curl up in a ball. Some people even do curl up in fetal position on the floor. Uh, some people go far within themselves. They tighten up. They stop breathing. Some people, you know, for everybody it's different. And then what happened when you thought you never again would have this pain and that you would be free? So what did you notice that happened for you? 
Yeah, I noticed immediately with the always, uh, it almost was like defeat. I felt my my head started to like hang low, uh, feeling very sad. And then with each thing, I <laughs> kind of felt like my hand holding my head while it was looking down. And I also had that image of just kind of getting smaller and smaller and wanting to crawl up into that fetal position. And then with the never, it's like all of a sudden my shoulders are back. Um, I'm smiling. My my head is straight. My posture's feeling really good. I'm feeling very hopeful, like, wow, just to think if I never had this pain. And I was focusing more on neck pain, which you also address um, it later in the book about posture. So that was really helpful for me too. Mm-hmm. So that that's uh, what I was using, just never having this, this neck pain again and having this perfect posture. Um, and I just felt relief and hope. Yeah, that's awesome. And so why I use that exercise is to demonstrate the mind-body connection because we hear about it often and I'm so glad that it's more and more in the popular culture, right? And it's become uh, a term that people are familiar with, but what exactly is it? So when we look at it, those were a couple thoughts in the space of a couple of minutes, Yeah, but we're having... You know, what? how many thoughts do we have in five minutes, <laughs> in an hour, in a day, in days? So our body is always responding to our thoughts, even though we're not aware of it. And so what's really important about that is that when you're doing a mind-body program and you're going to solve something that could have been a problem for you for a long time, um, you're like being your own headache detective, which I also talk about. So if you were going into a detective agency and you were going to um, hire a detective to solve your headaches or migraines or your neck pain or whatever the problem it is, and you walked into some place and somebody said, well... I've looked at your problem, I've looked at your headaches and migraines, you know, I really don't think I can help you. So that kind of attitude and that kind of mood, you know, I would be walking right out the door because that person, I would feel, is not going to really help me because they don't really have any curiosity. They're not intent on the problem, right? But if you walked into a detective agency and they said, you know, I've done a little preliminary research, which is, by the way, what we use the headache questionnaire for, and thank you for that. Um, So done some preliminary research, and I identified four doors, and I even opened one door and went down the hall. I found two more doors, and I went down each of those uh, opened them and went down each of those halls and I, I found some clues and I came back out and now I'm ready to approach the three other doors. Like that's the kind of headache detective or detective that you would want to hire. Right. Yes. So the, the, um, the Gay and Kathleen Hendricks talk about this in terms of survival vision and wonder vision. So if you're just surviving and you're clawing tooth and nail, you're not very hopeful, you know, that's one way of looking at the world. And they talk about wonder vision, which is wondering about a problem. So if you're going to, and that makes a difference in the tension or relaxation, your mood, right, all that can affect your body. And so if you're having always survival vision type thoughts, which are more like those always going to be stuck in this problem thoughts versus 
Um, the wonder vision, like you're wondering about a problem and those are like the, I'm never again going to have this problem where you're taking charge and you're really curious and you're going to take something on and, and, and really explore it. That's the kind of body and beingness and attitude that really helps you discover new things about your life and clues that you might not have um, even thought about before that you might have thought about but not put together with your headaches or migraines. So it's that kind of wonder vision that is really important to have when you're going through a mind-body program and discovering things because it literally will open your peripheral vision and new thoughts and ideas will come to you and new ways of expression, new ways of discovery. And so um, if you are taking on something like this, it's so important to have that because it's not a one-off where you just do the exercise and then you're done. But as you go through the program and as you discover new things, you might come on up upon a wall or an edge where you go, oh, I'm stuck here. Or, oh, I can't find any solutions. And then you might find that you're in survival vision. Like, oh, see, I thought this was going to be a, a, a new door. I thought this was going to be a new clue, but no, it's not. But then if you get into wonder vision and realize that you're stuck in survival vision, then new thoughts, new ideas, new clues might occur or appear to you. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking us through that exercise. I think that that was really helpful. Um, and, and I like that. I do like the works of, um, it's, uh, it's Gary Hendricks. Is it Gary Hendricks? Gay Hendricks. Gay, Gay Hendricks. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Kathleen. <laughs> and Kathleen. Yes. Um, Kathleen. yes. Kathleen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that we're, we're coming close to our time, but there was something, um, that I had learned that I had never heard of. And I, I do want to ask it because I don't know if I'm the only one that's never heard of this before, but when I was going through, um, some of your headache triggers, you have, um, something listed with all the different types of food. And I was going down them and I'm like, avocado, I'm like bananas, nuts. Um, there were certain nuts in there. And, you know, I, I made a little note to say, has this been studied to cause headaches? And then, of course, you answer the question right afterwards, talking about a chemical in some of the foods. Um, I don't know if chemical is the right word, but tyramine. Mm -hmm. Tyramine. Uh -huh. Tyramine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I had never heard of that before, and I found that to be really interesting. So I was wondering, um, you know, if you could just let our listeners know about that, too, just in case if they are eating some of these foods that have that, that can contribute to the migraines. Mm -hmm. it's, a pr it's a protein. That's what it was. It's a protein. Right. And I think that it happens when products, the amines, when um, certain, like, say, avocado or banana or even meats, they say, um, start to age. And um, so tyramine is, is this protein. It's, um, it's really different for everybody. And so why I talk about these things is that a lot of times they're actually on a list. And so for some people, they can be really sensitive to them. But then for some people, they're not. And so it's just good to be aware of them and to... Uh, because a lot of times people will eliminate things that they really like. Um, say they might eliminate bananas. Well, maybe if you didn't have a banana that was so ripe. Or um, tyramines, I believe, can also be in um, in uh, wine and um, other products where 
you, um, you know, can have a reaction to them. So, um, and products when they age. So it's really important to see what it is for you. And if you like something to not eliminate it, but then to be aware of it so that you can, if you need to. And then also sometimes when certain factors are all in balance, so if you're feeling less stressed and you're, you're not as tired, then you might be able to have these foods and have them not bother you. Right. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I found that, that little bit of information really interesting. Um, and then as we come to a close, I also would like you to tell our listeners about your Mundo Method concepts and um, some of the things that, you know, you teach people um, how to alleviate some of the pain that they're having with their migraines with some of these um, methods. Well, we need a show for that. <laughs> I know. Maybe maybe you can give an, an overall uh, just description of what that is. Yeah. Well, for me, that's really some of the most fascinating stuff um, because, you know, we're really bioelectrical beings. And for me, in feeling them both on my head and other people's heads, that migraines especially, but also headaches can be... Uh, have an electrical component to them. And so just like you can feel, if you have a headache or migraine, you can feel it on the inside, right? Like pulsing and pounding or tightness. You can also locate that with your touch and your awareness on the outside of your head. And so um, by stilling or flattening these, and, and they occur like, especially with migraine, there's, they feel stronger, but you can still feel them, um, with regular tension headaches as well. they they occur like mini explosions on the head. And so by actually matching your touch to where you feel the pain and then stilling it very subtly. So you, you can't use a lot of pressure. And that's why I have it as one of the last things that I teach in the book, because people learn to build their skills in touch with the more quote unquote gross parts. So, you know, your bigger muscles and, you know, the tension and tightness in your head, neck, shoulders and face. Um, but so it gets more and more subtle um, as you move from shoulders, neck, head and face to actually then working on your migraine. So you're re refining your touch skills, but you can still these pulsations and sometimes you have to chase them around like little gophers and then um, release them to the back of your head and then recycle them. So, and then the sensations of the release have are different than the sensations of the migraine itself or the headache itself. And what's interesting about that is that there are now devices that can go on the head and, um, you know, there's just this whole research going on now into um, bioelectrical or electrical uh, electronic devices, um, um, having to do with uh, electricity and the brain and magnetic current and, um, and DC current on the head and in the head. And so with my experience, I feel that your touch, I mean, we are bioelectrical beings, so that your touch, when coupled with awareness, can produce those same effects. And what is fascinating about it is that it not only stops the migraine pain when you work with this cycle, what I call a cycle of sensations, it also reverses the other symptoms that you might have been having. So if you were nauseated or you 
were felt like you were going to throw up or you were sound, light, smell sensitive, um, that those symptoms reverse. If you couldn't sleep, then maybe you'll fall asleep. If you hadn't been able to eat, then maybe all of a sudden you're hungry. Um, you can go about your day almost as if nothing had ever happened um, with kind of a, a recovery period as well sometimes. But that it, it speaks to me that when you're doing this touch therapy, that you're reversing something in the brain because it's not only reversing the pain, but all the other symptoms you were having. Great. And Jan, we might have to have you back on for a second show just on that, because I think that that's really, really interesting stuff. And like you said, it is a whole nother show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes. So if somebody um, wants to work with you, are you only doing in-person sessions or do you work with people all over the world? I do both. <laughs> I work with people in person and then I work on video cam either, um, you know, through FaceTime or Skype. And I'm going to also be having some um, workshops online. So that where I work live. So um, people can work with me in person, in which case, of course, then we get to do the touch work in person, which is always good because people do have so much tightness and tension and then I can stop their pain on the spot. So there's that. But then when I work with them at a distance, I teach them how to do all that as well. Great. And you have, I love the name of your website, theheadachecoach.com. So if our listeners, um, you know, are interested in working with you, they can head on over there um, and contact you through your website. And Jan, it really was a pleasure. Uh, It was great um, just learning so much about this. And now I feel like I have a reference tool that I can give to some of my clients if they are experiencing migraines or know somebody who does. And I would encourage our listeners too to share this episode. Uh, If you do have friends, family, loved ones, co-workers um, who are experiencing these migraines or headaches and let them listen to this podcast and get educated on knowing that there are ways to relieve this. So thanks again, Jan, so much for being a guest on our podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me and for playing along with the exercise <laughs> and for asking such wonderful questions. I really appreciate it. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time!